0: You're listening to Working Together for Working Families, sponsored by the Pascal Sykes Foundation.
1: Hello, I'm Jackie Edwards. Welcome to the Working Together for Working Families podcast, where we come together to highlight individuals and organizations working to help whole families reach their goals.
2: And I'm Rochelle Tadiamoa. For today's episode of Working Together for Working Families, we are excited to put a spotlight on fatherhood. We have two special guests that have been leading fatherhood programs here in New Jersey for several years now. I would like to first introduce John Fuqua. John is a community leader who has personally committed his time and resources to ensure that Bridgeton New Jersey youth have safe structured opportunities to grow and learn. John provides support to children and families in Bridgeton and serves as the coordinator of the Stronger Families Community Program. He holds a bachelor's degree in English from William Patterson University. We also welcome Jeff Johnson, a licensed clinical social worker with over 35 years of experience in child and family therapy settings. Jeff and several community dads had a vision for a support group with a focus on fatherhood. With the assistance of Parents Anonymous New Jersey, Father Time was established in 2005 and through the generous support of the Pascal Sykes Foundation has become a vital fixture in the Bayshore community. When not at work, Jeff can be found in, around, or on top of the local Jersey Shore waterways on the small restored 1972 Boston Whaler. Welcome to you both. Thank you, nice to be here. So let's start off. So this question is for both of you. Whichever one of you feels comfortable can start off, but we would like to maybe find out a little bit about your program. So if you could briefly describe and share um, what your programs are, maybe the primary focus and perhaps something that makes your program unique? Well, Father Time
0: in a nutshell is been around since 2005 and it's made up of a lot of committed dads from the Kingsburg Borough and that's on the Bayshore area of Monmouth County in New Jersey, up in Monmouth County. And I'm a social worker for the school. So that partnership has been a pretty meaningful partnership between the dads in town and myself. In a nutshell, what we do is we're a weekly support group. Uh, we meet Wednesday nights and we try to extend the connectedness and the brotherhood that we've developed out into the community with our signature community activities. And we do all sorts of outdoor related things. Many of us are, uh, are outdoorsmen and we do things such as uh, dances in the school. So it's been a, I've been a conduit to the community and my role as a social worker for the school. But the real driving engines of our organization, in my view, are these really, really committed dads who have signed on, some of them since 2005, in trying to engage the whole community. Our events are open to the entire community, but the Wednesday night meetings are primarily fathers only. We also do some community education in trying to get our word out. We've created PowerPoints. We've presented at universities and conferences and DCPMP. And the men are just really, really um, experts in their own lives. I think along with partnering with uh, Parents Anonymous of New Jersey and kind of creating our own unique shared leadership model where the men are very involved with the steering of our organization as well as myself. It's a collaborative model and it's just worked beautifully and it's got a lot of attention and we've done a lot of good work.
2: That sounds great. Thank you, Jeff. John, did you want to tell us a little bit about your program?
3: Um, Absolutely. Good job, Jeff. Our program is called Stronger Fathers. Stronger Fathers was an offshoot of the Stronger Families program, which was sponsored by the Pascal Sites Foundation, and had an opportunity to come on with Stronger Families Mm -hmm. seven years ago. When I started working for Stronger Families, one of the things that we saw here in the Cumberland County area was we saw that a lot of our women in our community were not only leading our families, but they were leaders in our communities. There was a huge drop-off in the participation of fathers here. So we simply issued a challenge. We issued a challenge for our fathers to step up and to be accounting. So we asked them to simply come in and start on the level as coaches, some of the officials for our basketball games. We encouraged dads to come in and stand in the room and simply be mentors. To Simply start off by simply having a presence in the room with our young men because one of the fun things that we found out was that a lot of our young men don't know how to lead because they're not being led by men. So we we encourage our men to come out and they 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 answer the call. Our group is unique because our fathers range from ages seventeen to fifty. Um, we have people that are stepping up. It's unconventional the way that we talk inside of our groups because a lot of times our model right now that we've been pushing for the last six months as men is it's okay not to be okay. Um, A lot of us want to come with that bravado, like we have every answer, but one of the things I did right away was I broke the mold on that by letting them know inside of my house, I have a daughter that's a straight A student that ended up being a BSN nurse multiple um, degrees, and my son on the other end wanted to do his own thing, and I'm a community leader. I didn't have all the answers for my son, so I had to be able to reach out to other men in my community, but I had to show vulnerability. I couldn't be sitting high and looking low. So the idea of what we do at Stronger Fathers, is we use it as a landing path for men to come and talk, to have real conversations about what men go through every single day, and we need to be able to talk about what we're going through. So that's that's the focus of our group. We, we use it as a landing pad. And whatever comes from that, it comes from it. We start developing different activities. We, we spent off and started doing a kickball league, a soccer league. And our dad started getting engaged. But like I said, we, we simply started by saying, come inside of the building and be present. After that, come in here and talk about what's going on. Unload all the stuff that you carry
1: thank you john um jeff um i've had the opportunity to attend some of the father time meetings but i know that you do other type of activities can you just share with us a little bit about some of the other activities that your fathers engage in at father time
0: sure one thing to underscore is that all of these were kind of crafted handcrafted if if you will by the members you know it's like they know the needs of the community. They know what their neighbors would attend. They know what would excite a community. And we try to keep that fresh. So our signature activities has been, uh, if you know Kingsburg, it's right on the Raritan Bay, and it's a very productive fishing bay. And so we set up a, a fishing derby. We'd never done that at all in 2005, our first year. And I put out flyers throughout the district. And lo and behold, 200 people come down and set up, you know, their, their fishing poles and their sand spikes and their chairs. And then we would morph it into a sandcastle building contest which the kids absolutely love. And so we'll do a couple of those derbies a year. We do a father-daughter dance, which has become uh, phenomenally popular. We'll draw 300, 350 combined kids and families into this large school we have, the Crusoe Elementary School. We'll do pictures with Santa Claus, which is at no cost. It's a DJ dance party as well. And we do a community camping trip. And then this year, the guys wanted to do a fall festival. And so we partnered with a school-based organization who was doing a trunk or treat and then we brought other elements of it with like fun and games onto the berm, which is the grassy area in front of the berm on the backside of the bay. And uh, that became a phenomenal hit. So those are some of the the main things we do. And then we do one dad's retreat per year. We go up to a cabin in Stoke State Forest way up in Sussex County, which is just an absolutely beautiful setting. And we hang out. We don't do a lot of work per se. You know, some mm-hmm. of us fish up there, a couple of us pheasant hunted and uh, one guy is a phenomenal cook so he turns a turkey into a feast and that's something we do for ourselves and those are the main activities that we do. That's great.
1: So John you shared some powerful um, items and some thoughts about how you you engage potential fathers that are coming on and I think that was just really powerful and sharing your own story with them as well. Can you tell us a little bit about if you do any special programs or host any type of special programs with the fathers that you engage with at Father at Stronger Fathers
3: um absolutely uh four years ago one of the things that we did we took a hard look at the school calendar uh, one of the things that we see our kids are often um, engage in their risky behavior when there's no school so we adopted columbus day as our, our our first day to launch a program four years ago that we do every single columbus day called man to man um, from boys to men let's talk about it it's a conference that we do every single columbus day where we bring in local young men and all of our fathers and other men in the community and we engage in the conference all day the kid the young people the young men are broke up into groups of um, 10 to twelve. And we put three adult men inside of a classroom from the community. And we talk on various topics and subjects. giving the young men an understanding, there are older men in the community here that they can lean on. This past year, we turned our Boys the Men Let's Talk About It on Columbus today into another event we hold on Martin Luther King Day this year. We had our second part of Boys the Men Let's Talk About It. So we offered that in the fall and then we brought it back this winter. It was great. Every single year we have about 60 young men involved and this year we had over 40 adult men from the community involved. So it's about community engagement. A lot of our young people here, unfortunately, again, don't have male role models. So we wanted to create real models for our young men and that's what that program in those days are about. We introduced our adult men to our younger men population, and we merged together because we want to bridge the gap, and it's important, and we use those days where there's no school to do those things because we firmly believe idle time is the devil's playground, and we want to utilize that idle time to do something constructive.
2: That's great. Um, You both talk about some really great, interesting programs that you do, and they they really sound engaging and plain old fun, but um, you both make it sound so easy. So how do you actually really get these men to get involved? You know, are there incentives or how do you really get them to engage in your programs?
3: Well, one of the things that we do, and again, we, we meet once a month. We meet the first Wednesday of every month. And all I challenge our guys to do, do is have perfect attendance. We got to meet. We meet in 12 times a year. How do we not do that? We can complete that. That's something that we all can do. I encourage them to be consistent. One of the things that our young people need is consistency. We started talking about the building blocks of being men. because one of the things that we go over before every one of our groups or every one of our monthly meetings. And one of those blocks is being responsible and being consistent and being a leader. So those are the things that we use as a way to get everybody back. We also have homework every month. We have four men reporting every month. So you don't want to miss your chance to do the homework. If not, we're going to put it back on you. And at the same time, we had to blow our group up three or four times because we didn't have the men in it that wanted to do the work. So we blew it up three or four times until we got the culture that we wanted. So we got a group that followed the model that we created. So once we had that, we don't have attendance problems. And every every month, we are all tasked with bringing another man to the table. So right now we have 61 men that come every first Wednesday of the month. So it was just about us being what we say we are. We are men. There's a definition for every word. So do what men do. Um, and that's what we do. I enjoy just
0: listening to your uh, your story. I think if you talk about incentive, I think the incentive for our guys is a sense of help that they give to the community. You know, like Many of them are founders of the organization, so they have a certain ownership for it and stewardship of it. New men join on or visit with us because... They want to address some issues, some problems, some conflicts, some pain in their heart, some things that are not working right in their life. And then when they feel supported enough, they shift roles to be more of a mentor, more of a, a seasoned person about how to use the vehicle, you know. And so I think the incentive really is not food, it's not pizza, it's not uh, notoriety, it's not a jacket or a hat, though we do those things and men like those things. But I think it's the altruism, you know, it's a community altruism and the way it blossoms within the group. That's great. Wow. I'm excited just listening to
1: you guys talk about the work that you do. John, you you shared, you know, about blowing up your group and making sure you get the right people in the group. Um, So I, I just wondered, though, you know, I think about, things in terms of learning by example and so we're not too old to have a role model. And so do you have men that are in your group that are from different generations and if so how do how do you how do you engage those different generations if you have someone that's in the group you spoke about someone not really following the track and not being in line how do you have someone that's in a different generation, is at a different place, be engaged with someone that's younger. How, have you had any experience with that?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you put that out there, Jackie, because one of the things that end up happening, each generation before the next were told that they were going to be the generation that was going to destroy the world. So the generation before you were watching you, they don't want to give you keys or the information to help guide you. So one of the things that we start every group off with is saying, listen, we're not going to all see eye to eye, but we're going to respect each other. I'm going to respect your position. You're going to respect mine. And inside of that, as men, we're going to learn to agree to disagree. When you go off the rails and start doing things that aren't conducive to what we want to see as one of the leaders in our group, we're going to check you on that. But at the end of the day, when I put an 18-year-old down the room with a 50-year-old, a father is a father is a father. They, They all face the same things. But when it comes to generational gaps and as far as culture and music and even food and even the way that we um, wear our clothing those things change over time but one of the things that we have in common is that we are fathers so we start talking about the way we want fathers to move i don't want to change the way you dress but i want to also i want to make sure you holding up your end of being a father of being responsible of being accountable being on time So with music and and food culture and the way that we dress, we're not gonna be able to change those things. But the one thing that we do have in common is those lists of things, what men and fathers should do. So we eliminate those rough areas by finding what we have in common. And that common thread is fatherhood. And we wanna improve the lives of our children and our children's friends and our nieces and our nephews. So that's the tie that bonds.
1: That's great. That is just powerful. I can't say yeah. how powerful that My is. Courage. You know, those words, just a common bond, the thread, the fatherhood. I mean, those are just so important. I think it's, it's just great. Jeff, I think about a time when I came to one of the Father Times groups that you had, and I spoke to this one father who was so proud, and he was telling me how his son was there too, and his son was bringing along. So as we talk about generations, I see this father talking about his son who's coming along, and it's just powerful. How did something like that happen over at father time? He was an older
0: guy. Yeah, so the fellow I'm sure who you're talking about, he was one of the founders and then basically told his son he was coming you know but his son was a quick buy-in and this fella has I think five sons and probably three have been in our table two have stuck not because the old man told him but because they find something for it there you know and they have taken ownership for our mission. You know, we start every meeting with some pretty meaningful words that we put together and modify from time to time, which are our vision statement, where we talk about some of our obligations and privileges as a father. And that that just becomes sort of a, a ritualistic way to, I think, stick to the mission. Another thought that was rolling around my head when I here in John's powerful words is that one of the kind of cardinal rules in our groups is We try to stray away from you know it's it's natural if you have an older father and a younger father the older one to give a lot of advice you know this is what you should do son while that's well and good and you know filled with great intentions it can also be a turn off for the younger person like oh you've got it all figured out jack you know and and you're going to tell me when none of us have this figured out you know it's it's a it's a tapestry and so What we try to model and try to prioritize is just each of us telling our own story, you know, and if there's something in it for you during our talking period, we call it the council. You know, there's a section of our meeting where we actually pass a talking stick, which gives you the floor, if you will. And it's become another ritualistic part of our meeting, you know, where we might really share from the heart and listen from the heart. And so to bridge that intergenerational gap, it's more of just sharing our stories, not telling someone that we've got the template for fatherhood and this is what you should do. Now, all of us being human can get drawn into that, but that's where we, like John said, we try to check each other throughout the meeting to try to stick to the mission. And the other thing I think is that we've had, and I think about this, like if you had any small group of friends or a small organization or a department in your business, there's a lot of bickering and backbiting and we've had damn little of that. And that's one of the things I'm most proud about and I think the reason is because we say it's about the kid. you know, it's not about us. It's about how many smiles are we going to bring at the dance? Or how do we get enough uh, water for the fishing derby? Or who's getting the ice? Like when we're focused on the mission, we're focused on the kids. There really is no need to get into little silly power struggles and pecking orders. And we've really had a, a minimum of that over the years. And, you know, I think the, as a facilitator, I, I play some role in that, but And men don't have time for that because that's not what we're there for. So it's it's one of the many things I'm really proud about our organization.
2: Thank you. Thank you both for that. So all of us have, you know, had experienced over the past several years, uh, this, you know, crisis that came into our lives with the pandemic and, you know, not to uh, harp on it for too long, but How did some of your men get through that time? Um, How did they remain resilient during the pandemic? Did you have to pivot your programming during that time in order to uh, relate to some of the things that some of the men were were going through? Um, Can either of you just touch on that a little bit?
3: One of the things that we faced, like a lot of of communities during the pandemic was the idea of everything shutting down. So we live in small town, USA, at least here in Brixton, New Jersey. When when things started shutting down, we still had parents who were working non-traditional hours. So we had a lot of young people who found themselves unsupervised. And I can go on forever about the list of things we're first in teenage pregnancy, high school dropout rate. One of the things that we decided to do as stronger fathers, we was gonna ramp up our engagement inside of the community. We was gonna stand erect and we was gonna be accounted and we doubled down on creating more opportunities for our youth. We didn't want to be the babysitters, but we wanted to be the creators of things in our community. So we started doing community engagement programs with our sports, with our tutoring. We got involved. We was delivering those meals for the schools to the homes. Our group actually grew during the pandemic. And from the pandemic, I actually even grew my own nonprofit with the help of several other men in our group. And we decided just to do more work. Um, We did more by engaging more in our students. And we were not gonna be isolated from the pandemic. We did everything right as far as with um, complete care in the hospital and the way that we carried ourselves as far as with PPE and things of that nature. But the idea was to do more. It was a time for us to really step up to the forefront as men and really lead that charge. We made sure that the, the idea was safety first, but we also knew schools were closed. So our kids were already suffering with academic um, challenges already. So those of us that were more a little bit more educated or more aware in subject matters, we created tutoring programs. We created studying groups, whether that was via Zoom or in-person, small groups. We started meeting at Bristol City Park, even during the cold months. But we worked more with our kids. We got more engaged in the pandemic and we figured out That with all those restrictions we did so much more work when those restrictions was going to be wiped away we would be even stronger so our movement was 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 fortified during the pandemic and it gave us an opportunity to step up and be on the forefront of our community and a lot of the guys that stepped up at the time jonathan morrison one of the guys he's about to run for school board. he was encouraged to do more Uh, we have guys that Again, several guys started their own businesses because we started encouraging each other. Started saying, "What can we do more? How how do we become?" Those pillars are not only in our families, but in the community, because we see so many are starting to cave in. And so many people had to pivot and start working even more um, non-traditional work hours from 7 to 3 to 3 to 11 to make ends meet with their families. And we wanted to be the fill-ins for those things. So we created those tutoring groups. We did more with recreation. And we did more with post-high school planning. So that's what we did during the pandemic.
0: That sounds great.
3: Impressive, (laughs) man.
0: I just listening to you getting ideas. (laughs) Yeah, it was not a pretty time working for a school. Also, you know, wearing two hats. Many of our guys were not tech savvy to get on a a Zoom call, you know, some of them coached the others, but it really didn't give the texture of a face-to-face meeting. So they were dark times. There's a lot of isolation built in families. And then kids were trying to work remotely and dads had no idea how to help them. You know, and so when one or two dads did have an idea, that spread like wildfire. But we could only share it in our Zoom meetings, which were less than optimal. You know, we would lose signals. Somebody wouldn't know how to get on. Somebody would get pissed off and you know click off, not because they're mad at the group, but at the whole awkwardness of the technology. And um, I was trying to help in some regards in my role as a school because you know, on a very basic level, some of the dads didn't even know they could contact a kids' teacher, even though they couldn't go in for a conference. I could teach them how to find them through their email. If you don't know what your kids' assignments are, try to email your teacher. They weren't good. When we all got back, we got back sequentially. We started meeting, in. it sounded like some of the things John said. We started meeting in the, uh, the park because the school still wasn't open. But we were allowed to, well, I, I forget, as Murphy began to open things up, we were allowed to have small group meetings outside. So we started with that. And then eventually we got back to our meeting place, which is in the high school here, Kingsburg High School, where I'm sitting tonight. But uh, a very challenging time.
3: If I could add one thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure. um,
3: One of the things that we did, and I failed to say this, because my guys stepped up to the plate and answered the bell, we created a program where four of my guys got contracted with our local school district here. They're currently in-hall mentors and they do life skills at Bristol High School three days a week. They pull kids from lunches and they do life skills. We don't interrupt academic momentum. So we pull the kids out of lunch. They come to a class for a life skills uh, program with them Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday out of the week. And that's four of our fathers who created that opportunity by the stuff that they did during the pandemic. So it, it's amazing.
1: Wow, that's great. You know, the pandemic was pretty bad for pretty much everyone, but some good things did come out of it. And just listening to what you guys are sharing, those are some really good things so for people that might be listening to this podcast and they're hearing about all these great things that you're doing with fathers and engaging them and they might be asking why work with fathers only what would your response be to someone that's listening and saying wow this is great stuff
0: but i'm a woman i want to be a part of this why fathers only i think men like some of the things john was suggesting early in the podcast they're not going to show full vulnerability and and get as real In the presence of women, you know, it's just, it's often, I don't want to stereotype and say none of them do, but many of us don't. And it's almost a treasure to meet with other men and to uh, be able to get real, expose vulnerabilities, and build up from there and, you know, fortify yourself and and, and take a look at yourself. It's not to say they couldn't do it in the presence of women, but I think it's uniquely positive in the presence of other men. We have women visit our small groups all the time uh, to see what we're about, to collaborate on community projects, and it, you know, it's by no means a boys club in that regard, but when we get into the deeper sharing parts, we just tend to keep it as a, a men's organization. Our activities are open to the entire community, though. John, would you like to add anything to that, or do you think Jeff summed it up?
3: Well, I definitely want to share a little bit. I love
0: everything
1: that <laughs>
3: said, but to be honest, we we reserve the right to say it's the men's club. We called men to action because our men weren't being involved. Our women were leading our families, and we wanted more men to step up to, those, to the plate and be those leaders. So where we started figuring out how to be better men around each other. So what we're doing inside of our Stronger Families program is... We're creating better men by working together for us to come and have a spot for us to land and have conversations that we don't want to share. I don't want to share with my wife the struggle of being an African-American man in today's climate. Those are conversations I could have with my bros in that group and where I would alleviate that stress from my wife because every single day I worry about the things that I might do to fail. I don't want to bring that home to my wife, but I feel confident of having that conversation in that room with other men who may think the same way I think and may have some better insight on how I can handle that pressure of being in the position that I'm in. And those are the things that we finally get to share as men. We don't take those things home. And as a man, sometimes we don't want to give that to our female counterpart. So for me, with our Stronger Fathers program, it's just finally a place for men to let down their hair. I'm a bald headed man, but we finally get to let our hair down and talk about our insecurities and talk about where we feel like we've fallen short at. And that's a place that needs to be created in every community across the country because we have too many men that are wound up and we firmly believe we can't cry. We believe that we can't express ourselves. We believe that we can't be honest and say, listen, bro, I'm falling short right here. What can I do? Do any of y'all have any advice? And, and that's what this, this thing is about. I was honored that Miss Mary and um, the Pascal Sykes Foundation brought me in and allowed us to create this program. And now it's running itself. And, it, and, it, and it's a testament to the people that believed in the mission. And it's only going to grow.
2: That's great. John, I think you started to talk about this, but uh, well, both of you. But I guess my next question would be, Why do you think this work is so important for communities and families?
0: Connection. I mean, we live in an isolated time, you know, or technology, other stresses in our society really, I think are challenging the American family, you know, the risk of waxing, you know, more than ever, or at least in my lifetime. And if we can bring a community together at a camping trip or bring the sons and daughters of uh, members, to the childcare aspects, where we join together sometimes and do crafts, it's just going to build connection and and strengthen a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's why, because stronger fathers, stronger men's, is going to be a you know trickle down to a, a more whole society. In, in a nutshell,
3: I agree with everything Jeff said, and, and I and I and I challenge even more to this to the point where we look at the structure of that, the two-parent the two parent household or the two-adult household, that holistic approach to the Pascal Sykes Foundation. We look at that family model. Too many times in the community that I live in, the father figure was missing. That guy was not there. So this work is important because we want to tell our young men, our young boys, that one day they're going to be the leaders of families. They should be able to see those men in their lives right now and not figure out how to be a man. And how to leave my house. As a young boy growing up here, I did not have a male in my house to teach me how to be a man. My mother tried to teach me how to be a man the best that she could. That example should come from another man. And that's why this work is important. We wanna change the narrative. That can no longer be socially accepted in certain communities. We gotta stop working in silos. And the information that we do have, we should share with other people because the goal is to change our communities one home at a time. When there's a dad not there in the home, the apartment a there's not a dad in apartment B, but there's a dad in apartment C that man in apartment C has the responsibility to help teach those young men in apartment a and B a little tad bit about being a man because they are members of their community. We understand that it takes to the table so a man and a woman made that child, we want to encourage that man to step up and be that father and maybe he might have not have everything financially and education wise but you can still be present. So we wanna encourage men to be present for young, young men to understand what it takes to be an adult man.
1: Thank you, John and Jeff. Jeff and John, Stronger Fathers and Father Time are doing such great work. Are there any success stories that you would like to share with us?
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to highlight, you know, I've been involved with the mental health system my whole career, and there are a lot of stupid ideas in mental health. <laughs> And, you know, this, when you get to create a mold with members and with your clients, it has a much greater chance of of going in a good direction. And one of the dumb ideas is a six session support group, you know, and one of the privileges of this organization is that it's been open to members for as long as they want to attend. And I'm just reflecting on one member, I'll, I'll call him John. He was a founding member and then he moved out West after about five years. He had young children at the time in 2005. So then we didn't see him for about five, six years, and then last year he returned east, and he immediately reconnected in because he had, well, one, he wanted to re-establish his friendships and his network. But the point I want to draw out is that he is in a tougher strait today than at any time in his life. He's become homeless, some really unfortunate events have occurred in his life, and the fact that he had the thread of his brothers, he calls them, to return to it swells my heart every time i you know i hear one more tremendous stress that visits this guy but when he's able to come every week and cry about it and connect about it and problem solve about it and get a hug or get support and you know have a piece of pizza with us and just really engage with the father time mission it just swells my heart because it's a long term model as opposed to a six session group and so i think that is a strong argument for open ended organizations where people can come back and give or frankly, people can come back and continue to take also because life throws your curveballs your entire life cycle. So that's why I wanted to highlight. Mm-hmm. How
1: about you, John? you want to share any success stories?
3: The most success we've saw inside of our group, but again, I said it, um, we had to blow our group up three times when we finally got to the foundation of men that we wanted inside of our group. And one of the things that we talked about was credit and employment, careers, That group that we finally came with in the beginning, it was about 40% of those guys were employed. Today, we have a 90% employment rate. So we're learning to work together. One of the things that we talk about all the time, if that man don't work, that man don't eat. So we push that every week we come out. When we do meet up every month. If you have um, information about career opportunities, whether it's full-time or part-time, we share that. That's how we start our group off the first 15 minutes. Uh, What do you know, share with the group. We have a group share period. Um, So it's amazing at this point to see 90% um, of the guys are employed, 20% are running their own businesses. So we created entrepreneurs outside of this and we've connected. So if you have a lawn service and he does tattooing and he's a barber, our guys are now cross-referencing. So we're growing each other's businesses and we're supporting each other's businesses. And we're creating opportunities for each other. So that's one of the most amazing things. And before, these men were were operating and working in silos. Before this group, they weren't working together. Before this group, a lot of these guys weren't even interacting. They wasn't even speaking. Some of them would go to youth um, basketball or football games and wouldn't even speak now. We created a brotherhood where guys from the outside want to be a part of what we're doing because we're starting to see the camaraderie. So... I expect this thing to grow exponentially. Um, It's been amazing. I'm only looking forward to what the future brings.
2: Well, that's all the time that we have for today. I would like to thank our guests, John Fuqua and Jeff Johnson, for joining us for such an important topic. Thank you both for sharing all the great work that you're doing. To learn more about them, please visit their bios found in the discussion section for this podcast. We look forward to you joining us for our next episode of Working Together for Working Families.
3: Working Together for Working Families, sponsored
0: by the Pascal Sykes Foundation, is published monthly. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the Whole Family Approach, visit our website, wholefamilyapproach.org.